following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. So we've talked about the secret of the ascending life, the perspective of of the ascending life. Today, the impartation of the ascending life, the impartation. This is interesting because it says over in John 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. I skipped a few slides there, yeah. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. John three twenty seven says, man can receive nothing unless it's given from above. So you got to understand above is the source of every good and perfect thing that comes down. So the impartation, this is kind of where we got to tap into the purpose of this ascended life. When we begin to see what, what the Lord was saying. Have you ever heard this, this uh, thought? They're just so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Right? You ever heard that? Well, I, I understand what people are trying to communicate with that. That people could be so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. But in my opinion, if you're not heavenly minded, you probably won't be any earthly good. Because if every good and perfect thing comes from above, right, then we have to be able to discern what that is and what the purpose of that is functioning in our life. Let's look at a scripture real quick. Matthew 17 says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his, and his clothes became white as the light. Then Peter said to Jesus, Hey, Lord, this is good. If you wish, let's just camp out. Let's make us three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter got up on the mountain, Peter, James, and John with Jesus, and they had such an encounter with the Lord. The glory of God came in such a transforming, transfigurational way that they said, Lord, let's just stay here. Let's just stay up here where the glory is. Anybody ever got up to a place in prayer? You just might, Lord, I'd just like to stay here. I'd just stay up here on the mountain. But you see, that's where we get off track is when we think that the, the purpose of the ascending life is just to live up in the glory cloud. The purpose of the getting up in the glory cloud, glory cloud is not to stay there or even live there, but the purpose of it is to receive God's grace and power because somebody at the bottom of the mountain needs you. Because if you read the rest of the story, it says, When they come to the, down from the mountain, a multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic, epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often to the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus dealt with the demonic entity and brought deliverance and healing to the child. And so we see there that the purpose of the ascending life is not just to live up in the clouds somewhere in, the, in, in this glory realm, but the purpose is to receive God's grace and God's power so we can come back down. I like to say it like this. God takes you to a high place so you can go where people are in a low place. Now, I, don't, I learned this quickly. Uh, and when I got into ministry, I got thrown into ministry. You know my story. I had no theological training, no, no real mentoring. I just got, Bev and I got thrown into it. And uh, I realized quickly that, 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 that this was, something's going to have to be powerful 
for us to function because my first counseling session, a man walked into my office and said, Pastor, I've been dealing with lust. And I thought, well, that's not a problem. I got my ministerial handbook and flipped to the L section and, uh, you know, had few, read him a few scriptures I had about lust and took him across to the room next door. We used to have Royal Rangers and every little flags in the room. I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I spoke the word and I'm going to pray for you. And, you know, I was pretty religious. And, and uh, so I closed my eyes and laid my hand on him and said, Lord, you know, deal with this problem, and all of a sudden, I heard a growl. I looked up, opened my eyes. The first mistake I made was closing my eyes when I prayed. That's the first. You know, Jesus said, watch and pray. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so I closed my eyes. He growled. Uh, all of a sudden, a demon, a full-blown demon, is looking through this man, growling at me. You talking about getting afraid. I mean, you see a full-grown demon in a full-grown man growling at you? I didn't know what to do, so I just form-tackled him. Boom, right there in the room. Like physically, boom. And I, was, I was afraid he would, you know, that something was going to happen to me. I remember that where it says some, the sons of Sceva, right? The demon jumped off, and I thought, Paul, he may know, and Jesus, he may know. He may not know me. I'm going to knock his butt down in case he don't know. <laughs> I'm going to get the first lick in. Bam, all right. And... Uh, he snarled at me, you know, and I ran out like I was scared to death. Locked the door. I ran into my office. I said, that guy's crazy. Got call the police. Dial 911. Not for him, for me. I got to be resuscitated. You know, something's going on here. This is a reality. Finally, they found a pastor that was more seasoned than me. And he brought, you know, he said, come back in with me. And he went in, blood of Jesus, da-da-da, dealt with it. And cast the devil out of the guy. And the guy got healed and part of the church. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. This stuff's real. I was a little more prepared about a week later. I don't know why I got hit all of a sudden. About a week later, a witch that I didn't know was a witch came into my office for counseling. Like a full bore witchcraft witch. If you've never seen one, I mean, they're, they're here. They look, they look human, but inside they're not. I'm just minding my own business. All of a sudden, this witch comes in, and next thing I know, I'm just being kind and pastoral and she's up against the wall with these big claws going and I'm like Lord how mercy I still didn't know much so I had a big old Dake's Bible it's about like that about like this she was up against that wall I just took it and went bam and hit her right there and she slivered down that wall and I was like Lord I'm gonna have to learn something other than this physical stuff if I'm gonna keep keep dealing with these demons because Probably gonna get a lawsuit or something, but I ain't gonna let you get me with them fingernails, girl. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I said, I better figure something out about this. But you see, I at that point had not realized what was available. See, once you realize, and by the way, this is not for preachers. Preachers' only jobs is to equip you for the work of ministry. It says, those that believe shall lay hands on the sick, speak in tongues, and cast out devils. Touch three people, say, I am a believer. Tell them, I am a believer. So the general concept is, as you go through these revelation doors, that you receive heaven's perspective about yourself. That you walk under God's secret anointing, that secret counsel of God, that protection of God, and you become an open heaven wherever you go. And as you ascend in high places, then you're able to go to people who are in low places and bring heaven's 
power to them. And see them delivered and see them healed and see them set free through your life. Something like this, I like to say, once you've stepped up, you can stoop down. Once you have stepped up, you can stoop down. Because not only do you have heaven's perspective about your life, but now you've got heaven's perspective about people in general. That's why Jesus was able to go uh, in John 8, 6, 8. You remember this? They said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. Jesus, it says, stooped down. Somebody say, stooped down. Jesus stooped down with the woman caught in adultery. You remember the story? It says, Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, who is without sin among you? Let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. We see this ascending, ascending life that Jesus was able to live. And when he came upon a woman caught in adultery, he didn't judge the woman. He didn't speak ill of the woman. He didn't accuse the woman. He didn't blame the sin on her. He was able to stoop down, find her in her current situation, and release the grace of God to the point it so transformed her, he was able to say, now go and sin no more. Most people think that's a command not to go back to it. No, that's a grace that said you won't ever have to do this anymore because of the encounter that that you've had today. But unfortunately, most of us in the church, when we caught somebody in adultery, wouldn't have enough grace to stoop down because we've not stepped up. I've heard of tragic stories of how God's people were handled because they were handled from a low level. From a legalistic low understanding instead of an upward high ascended life understanding, understanding the mercy of God. By the way, if you get up in the high place, the one thing you're going to get a hold of is mercy. Because Psalm 103 said, as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Actually, the holy of holies, there's a mercy seat where the angels are there covering. And if you're living an ascended life, you're not going to be exposing people's sin. You're going to be covering brings people sin and you're going to have the grace and power of God to stoop down and help pick people up as, I, as Psalm 40 says reach down pick them up out of a miry pit set their feet upon a rock put a new song in their mouth and send them on their going touch three people say I'm going to have something to give away tell them I'm going to have something to give away here's how this revelation comes Isaiah 6 1 in the year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. That's his high place. And his train of his robe filled the temple. Next slide. So I said, woe is me. This is something we got to get a hold of. You don't become holy and then ascend. You ascend and you see, then you become holy. See, we've had a low teaching that if you ever get to a good enough place, a clean enough place, a right enough place, then you can ascend. No. You ascend because it's your right as an inheritance. What you see will cause you to be undone. When you get up in that realm and you see the holiness of God, 
And you see the awesomeness of God. And he begins to give you the revelation of who he is and what he wants to do in our life. There is only one response. Woe is me. For I am undone. I'm just going to pause there a minute. I believe God just wants to get some people undone. Yeah. God wants to get some church people undone. You're just too done. You need to get undone. When's the last time we literally saw God in such a way that we wept over ourselves? When's the last time I saw my selfishness and wept about it? When's the last time I saw my judgmental attitude toward others and it broke me? When's the last time I really evaluated my life and saw how far away I was from God's grace and power? And it, and it, and it did something and it challenged me and it stirred something inside of me to say, God said, draw nigh to me and I'll be able to draw nigh to you. And it challenged me to go toward God in a, in a fervent way. undone and I believe this time of ascending God it's back to that quote I can't get away for it way too familiar with a God we barely know I'm not talking about legalism or 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 religion I'm talking about an encounter I'm talking about when we when we really get up there and we see Bev and I, about 20 years ago, began to pray a dangerous prayer. Lord, show us not only you, show us ourselves. After about two days, we were like, Lord, we don't want to see any (laughs) more. You start really seeing who you are. It's frightening. But the solution is not works. The solution is, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. I saw my weakness and compared to his strength. I saw my sinfulness and compared to his righteousness. I saw my, my lack in comparison to his abundance. And I said, woe is me. I am undone. Boom, an angel comes with a coal off the fire of the altar and touches his tongue. And he's clean and his iniquity is purged. That's powerful. That's when you get up in this realm and that in the spirit, you begin the spirit speaks to spirit, and the Lord does something for you in there you can't do for yourself. You're just undone and you realize your desperate need for God. And now God begins to minister to you by his power, and you're transformed. That's living from a high place. That's when you get up there and you're transformed from glory to glory to glory. Every time you ascend, you're, you're, being, you're seeing something, hearing something, being changed, being transformed in this high and holy place. What does it do? It creates in us a humble and a contrite heart. Because we realize, yet for the grace of God. When we see other people in low places, we don't have to think twice about it. 
One of the most powerful stories I've heard about something like this is when my brother Dan was preaching about a year or two ago, and he, and he said, you know, there was a lady in the hospital, and, and she, was, uh, she was so upset, a loved one had died, and he said she was kind of bringing a lot of attention to herself and beside herself, and she just threw herself in the floor in the waiting room and was causing a great commotion in her emotion. And it's that kind of thing that makes you want to just walk away from that and get away from it. But then the Holy Spirit touched my brother's heart and said, if you want to see me, lay down beside her and hug her. Let me tell you, you're not going to lay down in the waiting room behind an emotional woman that's out of her mind unless you've been in a high place and you have a perspective from God about humanity and about people and about how God wants to minister to people. If we step up, we can stoop down. This is, the, this is the power in humility. I'd never seen this before. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the high and lofty one. Then we're talking about El Elohim, the most high God. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and a holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. You want to live an ascended life? It's a humble spirit and a contrite heart. You know how that comes? Life crushes you. And things happen to us, and we go through stuff. That's when that Second Corinthians 4, we're, we're crushed, but not destroyed. We're beat down, but not forsaken. We're perplexed, but not yet out of our mind. Knowing that this outward man may be perishing, but this inward man is being renewed day by day by day by day. And we realize and consider that this light affliction, which is temporary, is working in me an eternal weight of glory. Amen. See, without problems, without pain, without crushing, without these issues, we wouldn't even desire a high and lofty place. I'll be honest, I pray a lot more when I'm in something than when I'm not. Hello? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you. That's not a thirsty animal. That's somebody that's being hunted. And you see that the Lord will allow these circumstances, these situations to come against us and to affect our lives so it will drive us to a high and holy place where it says God lives and dwells with those who are, the word contrite literally in Hebrew means crushed. So I got good news. If you've been crushed by anyone or something, it's just God preparing you to live in a high and a holy place. Isn't that good news? Touch two people say, I qualify. I qualify.
That's why James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord so he can lift you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord so he can lift you up. I got to think about that this morning. Remember the scripture about Paul? He said, I know a man. He's a little play on words. He said, I know a man. He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell you, but he was called up to the third heaven. He was talking about himself. He said, doubtless, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul said, that's without question. I will have visions and revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will ascend. That's what Paul was saying. He said, yet, there was a thorn given to me. Every ascended person I know has a thorn. And you pray, Lord, take this away from me. Lord goes, nope. All I can tell you about that is my grace is sufficient for you. Lest, Paul said, lest I be exalted. God sent a messenger of Satan to keep me buffeted. Keep me humble. Lest I should be exalted above measure from the revelations that I've received. I've come to this conclusion. God does not heal brokenhearted people. God does not heal broken hearts. He heals the brokenhearted. God's going to keep your heart broke over something or somebody almost all the time. <laughs> Is that not true? He's going to keep your heart broke over something or somebody. Because as long as he can keep it broke, he's got access to it. Once we realize that, then things start making a lot more sense, or they do to me. I quit moaning as much. Bev's life's better. Instead of moaning and complaining about what I'm going through or what I'm dealing with, God said, you want to dwell with me in a high and lofty place? That's where I dwell then just keep you humble and a contrite heart. Let your heart continue to be broken for somebody or something. When's the last time we let God break our hearts over something? Or someone other than ourselves? I've never said this publicly, I don't think. I don't even know why I'm saying it today. But when I first got saved, I lived in great fear of having a heart attack for some reason. It's just, it was just a, ma a massive fear. Like any, I was a young guy too, so I mean, it, was, it didn't make any common sense. And one day the Holy Spirit came to me. He said, your heart will never break physically. But it will be broken for the souls of men. And I'll be honest. I've not yet, I don't, I can honestly say I don't think that's happened to me yet. That my heart has been broken for souls of men. But I believe the Lord's leading us to that place. Because it's compassion that releases the power of God. 
and I believe that God's about to do something so deep and so powerful in all of our lives in these times of ascending that God's going to do some transformational deep work in our hearts so that we'll be ready for what he wants to do in this season in our lives. There's a frightening scripture I've been reading in Revelation. I'm off script now. I guess you know that by now, right? But uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a frightening scripture I've been reading, and it's troubling me. It's troubling me. Revelation uh, 3, I think, Dan, is about the church of Sardis. And it says you have, and, and this, this so scared me when I read it. It's kind of like the fear of the Lord on it for me. It says you have a name that you're alive. Word alive. That's what's to me. You have a name that you're alive, but be careful you might be dead. Repent. Go back to the first works in your first love. And strengthen that which remains. Amen. Says the one who holds the seven stars and has the seven candlesticks. Which is encouraging. Because that seems he still wants to do something. Because your works are not yet complete. In other words, you've not finished yet what I've called you to finish. And you see, God put us on a journey here 20 years ago and told us he'd raise up an army of, poli- of, peop- of people. It's a, it's a special breed of people. An army of people that so understood mercy and so understood grace that people would come from miles around just to get to our mercy seat. To be touched by God. And I just believe that we're at that place and we're at that point where God is wanting to raise up this army of people here at Word Alive to be a mercy seat for the world. And I just believe that God's going to send us the rejected, the dejected, the fringe, the broken, the hurt, and they're going to come by the groves. And God's going to need some ascending people that have stepped up so we can stoop down and lift them up to a high place. I believe it's our mission. I believe it's our mandate. I believe that's why God's talking to us in this season about this. Preparing us, getting us ready. I got about eight Thoughts and messages working for you right now, but I'm sorry, just got to track with me, right? You stick, step up, stoop down. You'll still get, we're still tracking with that. God got me with this one. He said, I didn't call you to equip people, I called you to equip saints. I said, Well, I, I guess I better figure out what are saints? Saints aren't something that happens after you die. Saints, by definition, of those who've had a revelation of God 
and have decided I no longer belong to myself. I belong to the Lord. That's the true definition of a saint. A saint says, I'm no longer, it's me. It's no longer that I'm trying to live. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I do live, but I live by the faith of the Son of God. I no longer live for, a saint is, I no longer live for myself. I belong totally to the Lord to live for him and others. That's a saint. No wonder you have a hard time equipping people. Because most people don't even understand or want it. Because they've not become a saint. A saint is somebody who had a revelation from God. I am bought with a price. I do not belong to myself. My money's not mine. My family's not mine. My life's not mine. My work's not mine. My career's not mine. All of it belongs to the Lord. So I believe what ha- what's happening is God is sifting for saints. Reread the Bible to the saints that are in, to the saints that are in, to the saints that, not to the people. See, there'll be saints and people in the same building, which is fine. But only saints can actually be equipped. Because they have realized that my life doesn't belong to myself anymore. It belongs to the Lord. So you see, I just believe church is changing. And, and, there, and there's something that the Lord's doing right now that's just shifting our even concept of what church is about. That maybe church is not about us at all. Maybe it's all about Him. Amen. And His purposes. Amen. Right? But the only way to get there is to have an ascending revelation of who he is. Nobody's going to give themselves to a master that they don't trust. See, we preach a lot about faith. It's actually faithing. It's a verb, not a noun. So I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we preach faith as a noun. That's not a, that's not a correct definition. Faith has never been a noun. Like, I have faith. Faith is like Christianity. It's powerless. To say I have faith or, I'm a, or, or I, I am a Christian, Christianity, it's powerless. But now to say I'm faithing, that means I am currently doing what Jesus did by trusting my Father's word. That's action. That's faithing. That's, I'm totally trusting the Lord with my life. That's a whole difference from Christianity. And so, here we are. And I just really believe that God's wanting to do a deep, deep work in us, and he's preparing us for one of the greatest harvests that the world's ever known. And I believe World of Life is going to be right in the, right in the thick of it. If, we, if, if I can help it, we are. So, you know, I'm probably not even preaching you, Dan. I'm just preach, preach, preach to myself. Right? Is that my cue, Dan? <laughs> Your time is over. 
Thank you very much. Everyone's getting hungry. It's time to go to lunch. You see, guys, we're going to have to deal with some ACOS principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. Why are we going to have to deal with them? They hate our access. That's what they got kicked out. The church was never designed just to be churches. We know it. We were designed to deal with principalities, powers, and wickedness in high places, heavenly places. To take the message of the freedom of heaven and bring it to the earth. And to knock demons off people that he was trying to keep from the truth. By the way, don't be deceived. There is no neutral ground. Don't, don't, please, don't be deceived. There is nothing neutral. It's either dark or light. It's either Satan or God. There, there is no neutral ground here on the earth. You're either going toward God or away from him. So don't be deceived. There's no neutral ground that you can be in. And the devil, all he wants to do, he's not, he, he doesn't care about us. He just doesn't want you to go toward God. Because he knows if you ever go toward God, it's over. We're changed, empowered, resurrected. The church was never supposed to be a place where good people got better. Church is a place where dead people come alive. Not good people give it. It's dead people come alive. Dead people get resurrected through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why this ascending life is so important right now because God is doing something very powerful in the church. I say the body of Christ. And I believe all of our experience up to now has prepared us for such a moment as this to begin to teach you my job, teach you not what to believe, how to believe. Let you get to heaven Get a hold of God for yourself and bring your portion back down for us. Because it says from the least to the greatest, we're all going to know the Lord. Some of you, I didn't get to this part of my note, sorry, but I'll just go ahead and say, when it says every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father lights, that's talking about you. Every good and perfect gift, it's not just talking about, it's talking about you. Because it says in Ephesians 4, 8, it says when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. Led captivity captive, gave gifts to men. You're a gift of God to somebody. You're a gift of God to somebody. 
Somebody's waiting today. We're on the mountaintop. I promise you tomorrow, somebody's going to be at the bottom of your mountain and they're just waiting on you to come as a gift of God with his grace words in your mouth to lift them up for where they are and bring them out of their pit and put them on a rock and put a new song in their mouth and help them along their way. This is what it's all about. That's why Isaiah said, woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips. Angel came, had an encounter. What was, his, what was his response? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. There is no other response after you truly encountered the Lord than to say, here I am, send me. Because you are destined for an encounter so you can be an encounter. Let the church be the church. Let's quit playing church. Let's get up on a high place where faith, hope, and love is alive. Let's get up there and see what God says about us. Let's get up there and get a perspective of what he, if you had this perspective of what God has for you, every morning you lift your eyes, demons would be trembling. My God, they're awake. They're awake. He just woke up. That's what, that's what I want about it. I want, I want our church not to be known for how many people come, for how rich we are, or how anything. I want, people, I want our church to be known when word of life people open their eyes and get up on their feet, demons tremble saying they're up again. Because I refuse to pastor a church that has a name that says it's alive and we're not. God's ready. He's waiting on us. He's opened the revelation door. Come up here, and I'll show you things that you don't even know. Will you stand on your feet with me this morning? Thank you for my lunchtime music. Glory. I feel the Holy Ghost. If you hadn't been tracking with us, there's three doors. Revelation 3.8. Can we show that slide? That's the door God has opened that no man can shut. That's out outer court. That's that salvation place. You can't get kicked out of there. The blood of Jesus has bought your entry there. You're welcome day and night right in that door. Revelation 3.8. Doors open that no man can shut. But Revelation 3.20 is a different door. That's the door Jesus is knocking on. You and I got to open. That's the holy place. That's where that illumination, intimacy, worship. You couldn't get past the altar of incense. Uh, to, the holy, to, the, to, the, to the holy of holies. That's why God's wanting our lives to be an incense to him. I'll just go and throw another one while I got you because I've got two more minutes. Every one of you in the spirit has a smell, a sound, and a color. I'll teach you about that later. But you walk in a room, demons can smell you. You don't believe me? I've walked in many hospital rooms and smelled cancer. 
smell death. Jesus said, to some you're a sweet savor unto life, to some a sweet savor unto death. Demons, when you're an ascended, when you live in the ascended life, you get you a color and a smell. There's a smell in heaven you bring back to earth. And when you walk in, your aroma fills the room. And demons and principalities are like... We don't know who they are, but we sense they've been with Jesus because we know what he smells like. I know where I got there. That's that's Revelation 3. (laughs) (laughs) Gloria. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I got another one I'm going to throw at you called Diverse Tongues. That's down the road, too. There's more than just one. There's more than that. There's tongues that'll get you joy. Tongues that'll take you into warfare. Tongues that'll take you into intercession. Tongues, there's all kind of, there's so many tongues we've not even explored yet together. I can get you a tongue that'll get you joy instantaneously. I'll get you one. Not today, but I'm going to get you that. We're going to be deep, heavenly-minded, spiritual people around here. Full of joy. Full of faithing, heavenly minded, ascended living. Revelation 4 1, that's that one that says every day, come up here and let me show you something you haven't seen yet. That's that meditating, contemplative place where you just quieten yourself before the Lord and let Him take you to a place you've never been and show you something you've never seen. It's awesome. Changes everything. The ascending life. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.